Hello, friends. Welcome to Klamath. This is Season 3, Episode 9, happening here tonight from our downtown studios here at Klamath Falls News. Joining us today is Klamath County Sheriff Chris Caber. Chris, thank you for being on the show today. Well, thank you for inviting me. Uh, we're going to be talking about the, the department funding, jail, patrol, your special units, all the, a lot of things going on. We're going to be taking questions uh, that came in early. Thank you for doing that. Unfortunately, due to Facebook's issues today, we are not actually streaming this live. We won't be able to take your live questions. Uh, we do apologize for that due to Facebook's issues. But before we get to all those questions, Brandon, roll that intro. Hello, friends. Brian Gailey here, Klamath Falls News. Welcome to Ask Klamath. As I said, Season 3, Episode 9, joined today by Klamath County Sheriff Chris Caber. Uh, our 30th episode, I can't believe this. Thank you for being our guest here for our 30th. It's kind of a milestone. Fantastic. Um, so a little bit of background on Sheriff Caber for those who don't know him. Uh, Sheriff Caber grew up right here in Klamath Falls, graduated from Klamath Union High School in 1977. Um, Caber later married his wife, Vicki, in 79 and worked at Warehouser for eight years uh, when they started their family. They now have three grown children, seven grandchildren. Congrats on all the family. Thank you. Uh, Sheriff Caber worked, uh, first started working with the Oregon State Police in 1987 in Hermiston, right? Correct. As a patrol trooper and then later transferred back to here in 1990. 26-year uh, career with OSP and has been a trooper Resident trooper, that's where you kind of live and work in the same area, right? I did, in Rocky Point, Oregon. Okay. Patrol sergeant, detective sergeant, and ended his career as a regional polygraph examiner for the OSP. I bet there's a lot of cool stories there to go with that, isn't there? I have some. I, I get I get in trouble when I tell them over and over again, though. Well, we may have to do that off camera sometime. Very good. Uh, you ran your own private polygraph company for three years before making the decision to run for sheriff. And, and now, here you are. Here I am. Uh, so what, there's a lot of stuff in there. There's got to be some gaps. What what happened in that uh, in that area that uh, we don't we didn't talk about? Well, you know, when I, when I was working at Warehouser, um, I caught a little bit of a bug to think about working in law enforcement. I had some friends there, and so I got encouraged to do that, actually. And so I applied for the Oregon State Police in 1984, and I just missed an academy that they had, and it was a three-year lull before the next one, so I got picked up in the next one. Okay. At that time, I was 28 years old, so, you know, I, was, uh, I wasn't exactly uh, a young man. I was in my mid-20s, late-20s. I started my family. We were doing good. So it was a big change for our family to go from uh, living here to being uh, basically transported across the state and start to work in another community. Awesome, awesome. And and big difference between mill and law enforcement, I would imagine. It was. There was a transition period in there, by the way. I, uh, the mill, and a lot of people might remember uh, back in that time, uh, there was the spotted owl thing going on and mills were struggling and there was uh, layoffs going on. So I took a job actually with a uh, coffee company. So I got into sales a little bit for a couple of years in the meantime. Okay. And that was very helpful for me actually going into the career because it forced me to go out and meet people and cold call people and actually communicate with people. Very cool. Very cool. So why, why law enforcement? What drew you to it? 
you know, I was, I was always, always interested in law enforcement. And that particular time, as a, as a young man in my, my 20s, I had several friends of mine um, that were state troopers. And that's why, at that time, I only considered the state police. They encouraged me. Uh, I admired each and every one of them. And so, uh, you know, I just kind of followed after them. Okay. So was, you're about uh, two years in now, three years in? A little year? over two. A little over two, mm -hmm. coming up on third. How have you enjoyed your time as Klamath County Sheriff? Well, that's a really good question. You know, uh, uh, first off, I think it's where I'm supposed to be. And so we've made a lot of uh, great improvements over the last couple of years, in my opinion. And the first year was rough. I've got to tell you, you know, uh, uh, it seemed like there was a lot of things that were broken or decayed or, or in some sort of disrepair just over time that had happened. You know, the money was really tight back then. There was, uh, there was layoffs and there was other issues going on. Um, I've been blessed with the uh, commissioners that have helped me through that period. That first year was, mm -hmm. was tough, though. But since then, you know, I've really come to appreciate the job. And most days, I just have a blast doing what we're doing. Cool. Uh, what is your favorite part of your job then? You know, the favorite part of my job right now is watching the team work. You know, I've, uh, I kind of restructured the department. And so I've got a uh, lieutenant running the jail and everything related to that. And I've got another lieutenant that runs our operations or everything else. I kind of consider it jail is one side of our of our uh, office and everything else is the other side and that right. includes a lot of different things and i enjoy watching them work because i, I think i made good selections in that area i think uh, both of them are well suited for what they do and you know every day brings a set of problems and difficulties and decisions that need to be made but watching that team work is very enjoyable cool what would you say is your least favorite part of your job Well, we're in the people business, so sometimes people let you down, yeah. you know, and, and so I would say that uh, dealing sometimes with uh, um, personnel issues or uh, sometimes I'm discouraged uh, when things don't work out exactly the way I want them to, but that's not, that's not unique to law enforcement. I, I imagine that's everybody that's in a, in a business or working in the community faces those certain things. I really can't uh, pick one thing that I would say would be my least favorite, um, but... Yeah, pe people is a double-edged sword, isn't it? You, you, it could be your best and your worst. It is. Yeah, it can be pretty tough there. So with that, if there's anything in your job that you could change, what would that one thing be that you might change? If you could just wheel the, the wand around and make it. Well, if, if I could change one thing, that meth would be completely unavailable in, in the United States, but since... Sincerely in Klamath County, <laughs> uh, methamphetamine, uh, you know, underlying problem with a lot of things, mm -hmm. even down into the property crimes and, and that sort of thing. So I would get rid of meth. You know, I would love to have a stable funding uh, source for public safety. And I'm not just talking about the sheriff's office. I'm talking about all the public safety entities. You know, that is something that we spend a lot of time uh, thinking about and worrying about and trying to... Uh, justify our, our uh, use of those fundings. And mm -hmm. I get that, but it always seems like it's a bit of a, a fight for it. And so just some stability in that would take a lot of that grief away from each and every one of us that runs, you know, a law enforcement or a fire agency or something like right. that. I'm, I'm not going to give you just one. There's, there's a few things else I'd like to change. Okay. You know, and these, these aren't uh, just, and once again, these are kind of broad things, uh, Brian, um, uh, you know, we, we deal a lot with youth that um, 
some parents just aren't parenting very well. I'd like to see some parents do a better job, actually. Um, you know, the, the schools and that sort of thing, people are stepping up and trying to help, you know, with the youth in our community. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it's the parents. And so, and I'm certainly not casting blame on all parents, crying out loud. I've got kids of my own and right. grandchildren and everything. But, you know, I, I would like to see a little bit of better parenting from time to time. I can, I can understand that. Yeah. I can see that. It's difficult to work with, you know, young people making mistakes. And, and um, so it's hard. Uh, for you, socks. You seek some advice. Let's see if I can get my words to come out properly here. When you first got started in law enforcement, you just said you had some yeah. friends in Oregon State Police that kind of helped guide you there. If somebody's looking for maybe a career in law enforcement, maybe they're in high school now, or they're maybe seeking out a, a college career or, or or something like that, what would be some advice you would give them? You know, I do get asked this kind of question quite a bit. People want to know whether they've got their kids growing up that want to get into law enforcement or people contact me. And usually they're young and they're, um, they're eager and they're trying to look at law enforcement as a career for them. And, um, and I don't mean to discourage anybody, but really my advice to them is to do something that gains you some life experience in your young age because that's going to play really well when you finally do get that law enforcement job. You know, the the 21-year-old or 22-year-old, maybe right out of college or uh, didn't go to college but just been working a couple years, um, that's great. And once in a while, we hire those people. But Mm -hmm. typically, law enforcement agencies look for the person that's had a little bit of life experience, whether it's with a family or with a career doing something else or with the military or some other experiences just to bring that maturity level with them because we are in the people business mm-hmm. and it takes a little bit of maturity and it takes a little bit of um, knowledge and some wisdom to deal with uh, the things that get thrown at you. I would imagine so. So I would say, don't get in a hurry. It's, it's really, it's one of those things that I believe is always going to be there. There's always going to be a need for public safety and uh, people to work in those jobs. So if you don't get in a hurry, you just build that platform for yourself. Then I think you'll be better off in the long run. Awesome. Don't get in a hurry. She said, sir. Yeah. No speeding it, tickets it, on life, right? Yeah, it'll it'll be there for you. <laughs> is there a is there a degree program somebody might focus on while they're in college? You know, uh, that's another thing. As people assume that a uh, criminal justice degree is going to be the ticket in, and certainly a lot of things you would learn in that sort of a program are applicable. But really, any kind of a degree program uh, works. Most police agencies that I've worked with or for. Or, uh, been a part of uh, in their hiring processes, they recognize a degree is a degree. It mm-hmm. just proves that you've spent some time accomplishing something, right. and that's what's important. A lot, a lot of businesses I know when they're looking for something like that and they want a college degree, it's to show you're trainable and you can commit to something. Exactly. So You can write uh, reports. You can do the necessary uh, reading and learning that goes along with that. You can keep up with those sorts of things. You've proved that by going to a college. And so uh, any degree will would be beneficial awesome well thank you sheriff for answering those questions we're going to take a break guys we'll be back in two minutes threads there are many threads that run through our region there are churches and schools and little league teams that bring us together and bind us into communities there are roads and cars there are houses and jobs and businesses all woven together to make the fabric of our communities There are financial threads that are part of that tapestry as well. For over 80 years, it's been our pleasure to be headquartered here. 
providing financial services to generations of our friends and neighbors. From that first savings account, to retirement planning, and all of the cars and houses and groceries in between, we keep your money local, investing it back into our communities, adding more threads to the fabric to make our community stronger. Pacific Crest Federal Credit Union, find your path. have your car taken to the shop of your choice. So my friend had her car taken to Excel Auto Body because she heard about their reputation for excellent work. They even gave her a written warranty that's good for as long as she owns that car. So Excel Auto Body is a very smart choice. Hi, I'm Rorick, owner of Excel Auto Body. No matter if the damage is minor or major, you'll want to choose us now. So if you are ever in an accident, you'll be ready. And remember, it's your choice what body shop you go to. Choose Excel Auto Body. It's your car, our reputation. Slow down. Slow down and move over. And move over. When you see lights, vests, or reflectors, please give us some room. Slow down and move over. When you need us, we've got your back. You have ours. You got our back? You got ours? You got our back? Please, slow down. And move over. Hello, friends. Brian Gailey, Klamath Falls News. Welcome back to Ask Klamath. Today, we're joined by Sheriff Chris Kaber. Uh, already had some great things talking about his background and, and some great suggestions you had about how to get involved in case somebody wanted to get into law enforcement. Basically, take it slow. No speeding tickets in life. <laughs> I, I like that. Um, this section is actually brought to you by the Klamath County Fairgrounds uh, happening this weekend. Actually happening Saturday is a busy day down there. Uh, Casablanca is a fundraiser for Casa is happening. The Ducks Unlimited will be having their annual dinner as well as the uh, SNAB board special activity needs board is going to be having their St. Patrick's Day dance. Uh, you can learn more about what the fairgrounds can do for you and and they can host your event as well. Learn more over at kcfairgrounds.org. Sheriff, you ready for some more questions? Absolutely. All right. So you touched it a little bit uh, in our first segment about funding and how you wish you had a secured funding source. Uh, I'd like to actually talk about that just a little bit. How is the Klamath County Sheriff's Office funded? Well, every year, just like any other department in the county, we uh, we present our budget to the county commissioners. You know, the county commissioners uh, control the strings, if you will, on how those monies are allocated. They have general fund monies available to them and uh, some other sources. So we present our budget to them, and uh, we talk about it in a work session or two, and we kind of try and work out the bugs. I get to present what I think we need mm -hmm. going forward, and uh, they have, of course, their input and their you know, they've got their limitations. There's only so much money to go around. So we discuss those things. It ends up in a budget committee meetings, which are, we're in the middle of that by right now, by the way, you know, in another another month or so, we'll be before, before the budget committee to try and finalize a budget. The and money, that's going to be for 1920, right? 2019, yes, 2020? Yes, for 19, for 2019 and 2020 budget. Mm -hmm. And so I've already presented my budget to them. They've already uh, looked at it and made some suggestions where they think I should probably cut. But that's okay. That's all part of the process of trying to come to what's best for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so um, the majority of our funding comes from the general fund. Um, in the budget year we're in, I would say right around 66% of our, our funding for the sheriff's office comes from the general fund. Okay. And then, uh, of course, uh, most people know that 
Um, there is a um, some money available in the we call it the road funds, but it's the uh, you know it's the money that comes in that's uh, for uh, oh I for, I'm drawing a blank on what they call it now, but anyway. The, uh, the federal monies that come in for us to use, some of that can be allocated for patrol services. So mm -hmm. in the past couple of years, we've been needing to use some of that. Last year, I, I think we're at $1.5 for the year to subsidize our budget. And then on top of that, we actually bring in a lot of other revenues in a lot of other ways, such as grants. Uh, we have quite a few grants that we work under, either fully or partially funding portions of our department, as well as... Um, some fees that we charge for things like uh, concealed handgun licenses and those sorts of things that we do. So there's a couple of offsetting things besides just the taxes themselves, like you say, the handgun licensing. Does like ticketing come into factor with that too? If somebody gets stopped and ticketed? Um, yes and no. It's a very small amount. You know, most of our citations that we write for uh, traffic violations or some of the other marine violations and things like that that we do end up going through the justice court. So when the justice court uh, fines are assessed, there's a small amount of money comes back to the county from that. Okay. But it's it's an insignificant, if so you will. So it, it's not there to be a funding source, but maybe a way to, for people to remember to do what they need to do, right? Yeah, not, it's not a, not a funding source at all okay. of any significance. What would you say are your three biggest expenses in your budget that you're proposing? Well, the biggest expense um, always is personnel. You know, we, boy, I don't know the exact uh, uh, figure, but when we look at our budget, um, we divide it into some three general categories. We have the jail and all the personnel involved with that. We have the patrol division. And then we have the civil division. So between those three main divisions, personnel is at the top of the list in every single one by a good margin. I would say um, roughly 75% of our entire budget goes to personnel. Oh, wow. We have a lot of people that work at the sheriff's office in different functions. So, you know, with their, with their wages and, and, their, and their compensation packages and, and all of that together, um, it adds up pretty quick. So... Um, one of the other things we spend a lot of time uh, considering is uh, how we spend our money for supplies. And then, of course, uh, the most visible thing to the community would be the vehicles that we drive and the things that we, the equipment that we need mm -hmm. to do our job. So uh, that is another big piece uh, of it. Training is something that gets overlooked quite a bit. Training is, is uh, not cheap. Uh, and oftentimes it's one of those things that uh, you think you can get away with a little bit by cutting back on. I actually believe it's that's not a good policy. So we have upped our training for for everyone in the office quite a bit in the last couple of years. Nice. It's good to hear that. I like to help know everybody's on their toes and, and, and train on the latest stuff. That's pretty nice. Yeah, we've, we, we got a little creative. You know, I have, I have some creative people that work for me, more creative than I do. They looked for other ways to get training. And, and now we have online training. We've purchased programs where we get daily uh, training briefings. Uh, we have our people that are um, held accountable to um, follow those. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a little bit of a pain if you're going through your normal work week and the, and the sergeant sends you something that says you've got till Friday to get this hour <laughs> training done. You work it in. You can do it you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. But, you know, by the end of the week, you got a couple more hours of training in and, and you get to learn something that you didn't know before. Nice. And that's on the jail as well. Cool. So those would be your biggest expenses. Now, you did touch a little bit on, like, the cars, the most visible things that you guys have, your yeah. patrol vehicles. Uh, how often are those replaced? When do they get replaced? How much does it cost on, on, on your vehicles? I know I know all of our audiences out there are going, wow, the cars. 
Yeah. Well, it's you know, it's a. I'm gonna. I don't want to sound defensive. Mm-hmm. However, the vehicle that our patrol people drive it really is their. Their, uh, it's not just their transportation, but it's their office. That's what they work out of for their entire 10-hour shift. It's a, it's a place of protection. If they need to hide behind their car or get in their car, it's a way to uh, take care of a lot of, a lot of things that need to be done. That vehicle is important. And mm-hmm. they can't help anybody if they don't get there safely. Right. So two years ago, for example, um, we did a little bit of a survey. You know, most people will remember the uh, black and white Crown Victorious that we drove and we drove and we drove. And, you know, the repair costs on those were great and, and terrible. And actually, the commissioners have helped us move towards a process where we are now in a position uh, this year, this will be the first year that we are on a program where we're only going to replace a couple of patrol vehicles a year as well as one specialty vehicle. Now, a specialty vehicle could be anything from a jail transport van or a uh, a pickup to pull the boats for the Marine Division. Mm-hmm. We're purchasing one of those. We have forced contracts. We're actually going to be purchasing a forced contract vehicle as well. So there are other other vehicles that we need to buy that aren't quite so obvious. But our patrol fleet itself, we've rejuvenated that to the point where instead of buying three or four or five a year, we're down to two a year. That's what we're hoping for nice. this year. So I think we can maintain that. A couple a year, one specialty vehicle, either on the patrol side, the civil side, or the jail side. And I think we can make that roll for a long time. Very cool. So how much does a patrol vehicle cost from start to finish? The vehicle, the outfitting of it, the computers, the sirens, everything. Yeah, I'm going to give you some round numbers. And some of the costs just went up from the last purchase to Don't the one always. we're in right now. <laughs> so um, we, were, we were purchasing. Uh, we made the decision some years ago, a couple years ago, that Dodge Durango's were a uh, – a utility vehicle that w- works well for Klamath. It's it's not a car, it's not a pickup, but it gets us where we need to go, mm-hmm. and it gets us there efficiently. And so those are running uh, through our ore pin contract or our state contracts. We're usually getting those around thirty-two dollars to $35,000 for the vehicle. Now, the ore pin contract is basically it's a buying pool, and so uh, not every dealer is part of the ore pin system. That's where we can get our best deal on vehicles. Mm-hmm. So typically for our patrol vehicles, that's where we've been going. Now to upfit them, that's where the prices have really gone up. You know, I can remember a couple of years ago, we were paying eight or $9,000 for all the emergency equipment, whether it be the cage is what we call it, you know, um, the radios, the, the roll bars that we need, the lighting systems, the sirens, and all that upfitting that goes into that, mm-hmm. enhancing that vehicle to make it safe at, uh, at the speeds and, and the places where our guys need to go. And so that has gone up to around 14000 So we're looking at, you know, roughly 50000 to 52000 depending on the year, to fully upfit the vehicle. And that's to put our decals on it. And, and uh, you know, the tires that come with uh, a brand-new rig aren't the same that we would right. want to use. So, you know, we have a, a way of swapping out those new tires and getting full credit for them towards the tires that we really need, which are either pursuit-rated or some other tire with a higher rating. Mm-hmm. So that's a long answer to your that's question. That's a long answer. Fifty to fifty-two thousand dollars. Fifty to fifty-two thousand. Now you mentioned Orpin, and that's the uh, the 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 place where you got to go to get the cars, right? It's kind of a, a bid, the, the dealers bid in. Do local dealers participate in that, or do you have to buy from the valley, or how does that work? Um, it's a place that we can go. Of course, you know we're spending public funds, so the best 
price we can get, that's where we need to go. Right. Um, but it doesn't, it's not necessarily exclude anyone in Klamath. We've, we've purchased vehicles here as well. Um, I don't, if I'm correct in this, I don't believe there's any or, or pin contracted uh, um, vehicle uh, retailers here. So we end up going up to uh, Salem, mm-hmm. actually. And uh, you, people may even see a Withnell Dodge on our on some of our rigs, some of the mud flaps or something, you know, that, that have just remained on there. But typically that's where we've gone for the patrol vehicles. But we've purchased three cars for uh, detectives here. We purchased, I don't know, four. And some other, other vehicles we have purchased locally. In fact, one of our recent purchases we're getting from Lithia here in town. Oh, very nice. Because we couldn't get it any cheaper through Orpin than we could get it here. So, of course, we'd like to purchase it here. Awesome. That sounds yeah, good. Exactly. Love to be buying local and keeping local things going, local money and all that. Oh, yeah. So I know there's a lot more with budget and, and funding and things we can talk about, but we got a lot of things that I wanted <laughs> to try to cover here tonight. Uh, employment is is a big thing, and, and, and I hear that from a lot of businesses that they're short-staffed and for a variety of reasons. Uh, how is the staffing and employment at, at with the Sheriff's Department? How, how are we looking? I'm going to tell you that uh, – we had an employment problem. We had a staffing problem. We don't have that problem anymore. Nice. We still have a geography problem, and people have heard me say that before. Klamath County is still over 100 miles from south to north, and we still have we have a huge uh, um, um, area in the north part of the county that's underserved with police protection, and we know that, and we're working on a couple of things. But when it comes to staffing, um, a couple of years ago I came in, there's so many positions allotted to the sheriff's office, and so many of those positions weren't filled. We had uh, 20% of them were not filled. So even though we had funds available for another lots more people, um, they weren't filled because uh, the deputies were uh, leaving for other places. There was some insecurity feelings, I think, with you know some prior layoffs. And every year the budget would come up and there would be talk of laying people off. You can't uh, really do a good job of employing professional people if they think they might lose their job every year. Right. So we've fixed that, and it's not just me. I mean, uh, with with a lot of help from my friends and the commissioners and everyone else, um, we've had some assurances that that won't be happening anytime soon. So because of that, we were down 20% in staffing. We are currently only down 3%, and that's even after adding a few more positions. So uh, we have... we're not completely 100%. In fact, we just had a, um, a deputy in corrections that we were all planned to hire. He changed his mind uh, just today, so we're a little Uh-oh. disappointed. So we have another opening there. But we're working on that all the time. So you, you said the, the the employment is looking good. You were just yep. down 3%. Does that mean the jail is fully open, all the pods are going, and all the beds are able to be used? Yeah, the pods have been open regardless, but we've – um, but we've had to basically burn our deputies out with overtime and extended shifts, but that has even dropped off significantly. Our jail is, is essentially, for personnel, is full. You know, we have one opening there right now, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, it's been a significant change in our overtime expenses. Um, you know, it's a 365-day-a-year business. We, If someone calls in sick, we, we don't just get to say, we'll just run short. Right. So somebody has to come in and fill that. And uh, so that's where we're at. All pods are open. Uh, everything's working really well at the jail. In fact, uh, one of our biggest successes has been the turnaround at the jail. Okay. Um, jail is actually one of the things I wanted to talk about in a little bit, so I don't want to get in much, into okay. that too much right now. We'll get to that after the next break. Um, are are you looking to be hiring more deputies right now? You said you're 3% short, but you actually just today had another spot. 
Are yeah. you are you always like taking applications, or how does that process work? Yes and no. You know, we uh, we use a system through the county that people can apply for jobs through the county. So from time to time, we open it up. We have gone. We've run the gamut. We've either asked only for lateral deputies in either corrections or patrol, and we've got good responses. And there's been times early on, especially when we needed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So we've we've opened it up for anybody to apply. Then we run our testing programs. It usually whittles them down really good. You know, we, we've had as many as 50 or 60 people apply for our jobs there. When it came down to testing, half of them show up. By the end of the testing day, we're down to about 10 people. And, uh, you know, um, that's just the way it is. And so... If, if we have 50 or 60 people apply and we're down to 10 and really only about half of those are going to complete the process, that's just what, what we have to do. So we're, we're doing well in our hiring. We got really good at it. It, it, it was rough at the beginning, but mm-hmm. we've kind of refined the process and we've kind of got down to a system where it seems to be working. Now, for those people that are making a cut, what what is it you're looking for for that cut? That you know, are you looking for? Uh, is it physical? Is it mental? Is it their background? What are you looking for in a deputy? Well, we have minimum requirements, and 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 quite frankly, they're just not all that stringent. But um, they get down to the minimum requirements, whether it be a written exam and there's a a physical agility test that's required. We required it initially because. In order to be certified at the state level, they're going to have to complete those uh, obstacles anyway. Right. So we, we try and screen right up front. If you can't complete them now, you know, uh, you probably won't complete them when you go to the academy. So using the academy standards for that, uh, that, that kind of does that for us. Good. But, you know, we, we interview them uh, orally as well if they complete the first two phase, uh, phases of that. Um, someone needs to be able to sit and have a conversation with us. And so... Communication is a huge part of it, just being able to talk to somebody. And so uh, sometimes that plays out pretty well. You know, people are nervous when they're interviewed for uh, jobs and that sort of thing. We get that. Um, But just being able to have a conversation with a few people and answer a few simple questions, you know, uh, that tells us a lot. So we kind of, in a way, kind of uh, get an idea for, let's say, who the top five people are. and And then that's just one part of it. There's, just, there's there's more just there's a whole lot more there's a lot more um and that's probably another hour show by itself just talking about those things right uh so for people who may not be able to cut it or maybe they're seniors or maybe they're they're doing some other things do you have volunteer positions or or positions available for citizens where they can help out as well yeah we're uh, we're actually we have as many volunteers almost at our our office as we do full-time employees mm-hmm. yeah we we uh you know, one of the mandated services for a sheriff in the, in the state of Oregon is to make sure that a search and rescue um, unit is available. And so we are fortunate, really fortunate, to have a, a very vigorous search and rescue unit of volunteers. And so I plug them every chance I get. But as uh, smaller portions of that, we have a small boat rescue unit. We have a posse. We have a mature volunteer program, which uh, currently we I think we have eight people in our mature volunteer program. And they do all kinds of things for us. Uh, they've implemented, if you see the Klamath County Sheriff's Office radar trailers alongside the road, mm-hmm. you know, that has run through our MVP program, Mature Volunteer Program. Actually, I think we might have a picture of one of those, don't we? The ATV? Uh, the, uh, the radar trailer. There it is. So the example right there. Well, there's two of my volunteers right there. So, you know, uh, excellent, excellent example. You know, um, a 
couple of years ago, I pulled into the parking lot for the first time, and there's two broken down radar trailers there. So I had a mature volunteer, wanted to know what he could do, and I said, see what you can do about getting these running. If they're not going to work, let's get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Well, he not only got them working, he uh, he began uh, the program of of going out an outreach program and trying to find people who wanted them on their street or oh, who nice. wanted to uh, supply their driveway or their property for us to to put it there for a day. I know a guy who would like to have that. Yeah, he, right here. Yeah, <laughs> get a hold of our MVP program. You know, they also uh, the volunteers, the MVPs uh, in particular, started uh, once again a house check program. So if you're going to be gone from your house for a while and you'd like the MVPs to swing by once or twice a week to kind of drive through the property, check the doors, make sure everything's okay, um, they do that. And so it's amazing, actually, the things that they do for this community. So I'm very, very proud of them. Nice. Um, we're actually going to talk about search. I've got other volunteer programs. Vol- I don't want to oh. leave anybody out. Oh, oh, okay. Dive Rescue. We've got a Dive Rescue program as well. So uh, we've got a North County. If, if anybody in North Klamath County search and rescue, we have a North County uh, search and rescue unit as well. Mm-hmm. So I hopefully I didn't miss anybody on that. But I mean, it's <laughs> it's great. It's super. It's super wonderful. There, there is a lot of things, and I know search and rescue is one of those things we're going to talk about here in just a moment. You okay. guys, uh, after our break, you guys just got a new vehicle and put it to work almost immediately. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Purchase so, locally, by the way. Purchase locally. That's a bonus. <laughs> so guys, we're going to be taking a break. Two minutes. We'll be right back with more with Sheriff Chris Gaber. Threads. There are many threads that run through our region. There are churches and schools and little league teams that bring us together and bind us into communities. There are roads and cars. There are houses and jobs and businesses, all woven together to make the fabric of our communities. There are financial threads that are part of that tapestry as well. For over 80 years, it's been our pleasure to be headquartered here providing financial services to generations of our friends and neighbors. From that first savings account, to retirement planning, and all of the cars and houses and groceries in between, we keep your money local, investing it back into our communities, adding more threads to the fabric to make our community stronger. Pacific Crest Federal Credit Union, find your path. have your car taken to the shop of your choice. So my friend had her car taken to Excel Auto Body because she heard about their reputation for excellent work. They even gave her a written warranty that's good for as long as she owns that car. So Excel Auto Body is a very smart choice. Hi, I'm Rorick, owner of Excel Auto Body. No matter if the damage is minor or major, you'll want to choose us now. So if you are ever in an accident, you'll be ready. And remember, it's your choice what body shop you go to. Choose Excel Auto Body. It's your car, our reputation. Slow down. Slow down and move over. And move over. When you see lights, vests, all reflectors, please give us some room. Slow down and move over. When you need us, we've got your back. Do you have ours? You got our back? You got ours? You got our back? Please slow down and move over. Hello, friends. Brian Gailey, Cloud Falls News. Welcome back to Ask Klamath. Today we're joined by Klamath County Sheriff Chris Caber. Thank you for being here, sir. Uh, we have already talked about uh, your background, 
finance and budget and in patrol and your volunteer programs and employment and a whole bunch of other stuff uh if you're just tuning in you're going to want to watch that uh go back and check that out uh in this section we're actually going to be talking about the jail your canine unit and search and rescue uh i know there's a lot of things going on there uh, but i want to give before we get started a specific shout out to pacific crest federal credit union they're our presenting sponsor this season thank you guys over there we couldn't do this without you uh so sheriff you ready for some questions on the jail Sure. All right. Because I know that's it's the most visible besides the cars, the big pinkish building up there on the hill. <laughs> what color is that? I'm not too sure. I don't know. A, a salmon. Some sort of brown. Brown. I I'm kind of colorblind. <laughs> How you talked about you're you're nearly fully staffed up there. How's things looking up there? How's the facility? Is it aging well? Does it need work? What's going on in the jail? It was not aging well when it came to the infrastructure inside the jail. The building itself is fine. It's maintained very well. It's a it's uh, fully functional. In fact, the size is even uh, still um, adequate for what we're doing right now. So, but um, what we found out was uh, when I uh, when I basically promoted uh, Brian Bryson to a jail commander. Uh, he's he's the jail commander on that side. Um, he began to go down through a whole list of things that needed to be taken care of. And one of the first things I heard really from day one was uh, we refer to it as the control panels or the master control and the panels that run every door, switch, light, camera in the facility. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lockdown facility, and it's um, you can use a key if you have a key to get from place to place, but all of our doors are opened electronically from a master control room, so that deputy that's in that master control room operates those things. It's what opens the door to let the prisoners in, let the people in and out, let, mm -hmm. let movement throughout the jail, and monitor video uh, of areas that maybe don't have a deputy in it at any particular time. All of that was original um, equipment when the jail was built in, I believe, 1987 or 88. That so, sounds about right. Yeah. And so uh, you could literally open up a circuit panel and see all the burn and scorch marks where the thing had burned out, caught fire, not worked. Well, that was unacceptable. I mean, we were really... Um, that deferred maintenance on that system uh, was really putting uh, a lot of people at risk. And, you know, we're responsible for the prisoners as well. So we, we can't afford to have a, a, a fire in the jail, let's right. say, or something like that. So, um, you know, we, uh, we worked uh, really well with the commissioners. We were able to uh, essentially uh, prove to them that this was something that needed to be done, and it needed to be done that first year. And they allocated the funds to some equipment reserve monies that we had set up. And we just bit the bullet and spent the money and fixed the jail. And I got to tell you, it's it's 100% um, better. We have upgraded technology. Uh, we have uh, uh, support, for, you know, computer support from um, the person that's designed the system that we have now. So if some glitch occurs, they can... They can remote in and they can do some of the fixing with the software and things like that. Very nice. And we have a lot of added features too. You know, some of our prisoners don't mix well with each other, but you know, so we have to keep them separate. Mm -hmm. And so we we even have uh, ways to um, remind us of which cells can be open at which time, so that uh, people that don't mix well with each other, so it reduces our liability. You know, our liability mm -hmm. in the jail, and not just our jail, any jail in the state of Oregon. Uh, comes with an extreme um, amount of liability. You know, we've got hundreds of people in there in confined spaces, and they don't all get along, and uh, they have their own medical issues and things like that. So uh, I apologize for rambling on. I'm really excited about the things that we're doing, so I tend to do that. So 
Uh, no, it's jail. good to hear because a lot of people don't know those things have been done. Yeah. Yeah, the jail. Um, right now, you know, um, I could tell you, and maybe we'll have time later on, you know, I can tell you that we're, we're starting to have uh, inspections from our insurance agency and, and other reviews that are coming in. People are now coming in to inspect what we've done, and they're very, very impressed. Nice. Uh, it, so it's kind of maybe becoming a model facility as well, other places looking to see what they can do? To... Actually, that's not a stretch to say that. There's a lot of things going on in our jail. Um, that other jails are looking at. We've had visits from jail commanders in other parts of the state that wanted to see our control panels. Mm -hmm. And when they get down there and they see what's going on with our mental health issues that we have in the jail and our partnership with KBBH and how much attention that our prisoners get with mental health issues and all of those other things, there's so many things that goes on in that community that we call the jail uh, that are positive that it's starting to be uh, seen around the state. And that feels awesome. really, really good to me. And I got to uh, give a lot of credit to Lieutenant Bryson for all the work he's done over there and his crew. He's got them all moving in one direction for sure. Awesome. Good to hear. Good to hear. Do you know off the top of your head what the capacity of the jail is? Yes, yeah, 152 people. And what is kind of, maybe you do, maybe you don't know this, but what's kind of the average uh, inmate on any given day? How many are in there? <clears throat> this is going to sound like we don't have a full jail, but uh, we've been running right around 135. Okay. But see, a lot of those uh, beds, they're not every day. There's people in and out. There's people in there for a day. There's people in there for a year. And there's a lot of movement in and out of the jail. Mm -hmm. So I think today it was even down a little bit. You know, I get a daily report, by the way. I actually, end of every shift, there's three shifts a day at the jail. You know, I get a, I get a report at the end of every shift if there's been any problems or things like that. And at the end of every day count, there's how many bed days, how many total beds, and then how many are female beds. You know, the female population in jail is one of the things that's increasing, not just here in Klamath, but around the, the entire state. Mm -hmm. It's a topic of discussion. And so uh, we've been doing a lot of things I can tell you about as far as uh, um, pretrial releasing people. And uh, we have a pretrial release officer now. So everybody that comes into the jail is going to get some sort of risk score. So they're scored basically on well, to put it simply, we want to keep the right people in jail. We can't right. keep everybody in, so we want to score them on their risk of reoffending or their risk to society. So they get uh, they get scored, if you will. And so, uh, when we have to release people, or when they when we make recommendations to the court whether they should stay in jail or maybe uh, get out on a bond or you know just released on their own recognizance. So we want to make the right choices. So we've been really good at that. Well, that's good to hear because one of the things that we kind of get feedback on things too is we hear that it's a revolving door. The, the people are just constantly in and out and and the people who should be there maybe aren't there. But it's good to hear that you actually have a system in place to determine who is most at risk. Yeah, it's not it's not a system we came up with either, by the way. I mean, this is a this is a... Um, a verified system. In fact, we have two systems for scoring. Uh, I was just talking to the jail commander, and, and this is something I didn't know, that if it's if the prisoner is a first-time offender from out of state, we actually use a different scoring system that's even more strict. Oh, wow. So I didn't even know that really until, you know, just recently. So, um, yeah, 152. Oftentimes it's right around 135, 142. Uh, sometimes they, they count the people that are in booking. You know, we've got booking cells that could have multiple people in them as they're processing in or out. Okay. Um, I can tell you that uh, most people also don't realize that we live a long way from the prison in Salem or the hub where we transport prisoners around. So we have transport officers that make at least one trip a week to Salem. 
with a van full of prisoners, either taking them there or bringing them back. And so uh, a lot of our expense in the jail comes just with our transport costs. We also have a jail that isn't attached to the courthouse, so every prisoner that needs to appear before the judge needs to be securely transported to the courthouse right. and then back. So those are all resources that they cost money and it takes time and it's, it's people and, and a lot of coordination. And so there's a lot of moving pieces to a jail. It's not just a place to warehouse people. I guarantee I you that. Do you guys use the, the, the television system, the, t the yes. camera system as well, yeah. instead of having to take people downtown? Yeah. Yeah, so we do We do a lot of, I think, all first appearances before the judge, you know, are done uh, done um, by the uh, the uh, camera system. Mm -hmm. and the judge, judge has a, a screen in the courtroom, and we have a room set up for that, in, you know, in our jail. And so their first appearances most of the time are are uh, on the television, essentially, so that we don't have to transport them. Right. saves a lot of time. I bet it does. A lot of money. Security issues, you know, if you take people from one place to another, there's always a risk of, of issues arising. So we'll try and keep them in the jail as long as we can and go from there. Well, good. Thank you for answering those questions. We're actually going to move on. I know there's a lot more questions about the jail we could talk about. That might be a whole show by itself sometime in the future. But I do want to talk about your uh, couple, a couple of your special units that you mentioned earlier. Uh, the first one being your canine unit and, and, and how the, uh, the dog fanciers, the community came together um, after, after um, your, your old dog, the older dog, mm -hmm. uh, passed away. Yep. Um, and, and we were in need of a, of a new dog. And the dog fanciers came together, gave you a big donation to help you kickstart that project. Can you, are you able to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. We, uh, oh, there know, they are on screen right there. Yeah. This group of people right here uh, kickstarted our canine program. You know, we did have uh, one dog that was aging. And uh, uh, at one time, the Klamath County Sheriff's Office had three working canines in in the office uh, slowly but surely it whittled down to where uh, you know x passed away and we were without a dog at all right about that time the canine fanciers uh, took it as their mission if you will to get us going again i simply uh, didn't want to um, ask the commissioners for general fund money to fund a dog program if i thought uh, simply by um, going out to the public and seeing what kind of support we could get for that well i was completely overwhelmed the dog fancier started it, $10,000 donation for the, the first canine. And with that came the opportunity to apply for a $5,000 grant, which we applied for and received. So, so a very short period of time, we're around $15,000. And then other funds started coming in. People started to contribute to the program. We had to set up a, a special line on them to make sure that we keep an accurate count of every, every dollar that comes mm -hmm. in for that thing because we want to be completely on the up and up on that. And so we were able to purchase our first canine. I'm thinking it's about, uh, well, it was late last summer. So we're looking at maybe eight months ago. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and the, the trainer, uh, Deputy Hoy, was assigned as the canine handler. And we began the process of trying to meld that team into something that would work well in Klamath County. Nice. And so that the new canine, his name is Chief. And I think we have a picture of Chief as well. There's Chief. Um, how, how's how's he working out in the in the sheriff's department? Well, he's a, he's working out really well. Although we found he's a very uh, high drive animal, so we're we're very um, we're cautiously working him into the program. So there's we learned. I had to learn the hard way. I was pretty naive. I tell you the truth about dogs. I've learned a lot in the last uh, year about canines and handler and how it's supposed to work as a team and mm -hmm. how much effort and training goes into training one of these dogs for the long term. 
And I was told, I didn't know this going in, I was told that a dog like Chief is going to take a year to a year and a half before they're fully up and working as a team. That seems like a long time. But, you know, we're halfway there, and we've seen really good things from, from that team. Nice. And what is, does he have a specialty? Is he a drug dog? Is, is, he, is he able to sniff out certain things? What's, what's Chief's specialty? Yeah, Chief, Chief actually came from uh, Germany. Chief is uh, three, I think, three and a half years old. And so, you know, when you go with a canine program, you have some choices. Do you want a drug dog? Do you want a, uh, this kind of dog or that kind of dog? You know, a arson dog? Or, well, we wanted a patrol dog. Now, a patrol dog generally means um, they, they're a protection dog mm-hmm. for the handler and for any other police officers. They do things where we don't necessarily maybe want to send a police officer in, like a building search. They assist with building searches. You know, you find an open door and it's dark and no one's supposed to be in there. And, you know, if you, uh, we might send the dog in there to help us locate anybody that might be hiding in there. Tracking, if a suspect uh, runs, um, this dog is capable of tracking that subject, either tracking it or uh, by scent or by sight. So if someone flees and it's a felony, it's a felony case, uh, where um, someone's life is maybe at risk and it, it's uh, worthy of maybe somebody being bitten by the dog, then we will we use the dog. We wouldn't use it for, you know, anything less than that, really. Mm. You know, there has to be some controls on that. We, we really don't want anybody being bitten. But if they do, they need to be non-complying with some very dangerous situation. So, And we've had, we have had one of those. We had an escape and the, the dog was able to track and actually bring the bring the suspect to the ground and uh, with uh, no injury to the suspect even kind of surprised me because I've been bit by that dog myself, <laughs> you know? So, uh, you know, it's a, um, it's a remarkable tool and it's a force multiplier. Just, just the dog showing up at some scenes is all it takes to gain compliance from people who didn't really want to go along with the program. Nice. Well, that's good to hear that it's could be a, a it's another alternative, not a lethal alternative uh, per right. se. It's not a taser or something like that. Right. It's just another deterrent, another alternative. That's yeah. awesome to hear. Yeah, we could really use another one, and we, we're working our way towards that. When we feel very comfortable with this team and everything, then we've already, uh, the community has been wonderful about donating to our canine program. We have enough funds in place right now to, to do it again. Nice. And so we're waiting for the proper time when, when we can do that. Very cool. Good to hear. I'm excited to hear that there might be another canine coming. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so talking about one of your other units, Search and Rescue, um, we have a big county, as you alluded to earlier. Yeah. It's it's 100 miles from border to border. It's the size of the state of Delaware for people who not really know realize that uh, with numerous waterways, I don't even know how many water bodies we have between rivers and lakes and streams and, and the mountains and different areas. Uh, one of the departments I know or units you have, search and rescue, fully volunteered, right? Yes. Yeah, and and they're they're helping all the time. Uh, it seems like and and uh, it, I I am at a loss for words with them. I know yeah. that I, I we get the stories and we see what they do and they help and and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not and and uh, what's your take on your search and rescue? Well, team? let me brag on them for a minute. All right. Okay. Um, our search and rescue unit is uh, very well staffed with volunteers who spend a lot of their own time, a lot of their own money to become involved in that. And they're a very professional outfit. I've, I've been on with them on a couple of searches, although that's not, I don't go on every search you know, with them, but I've been out there on a couple of them. I see how they operate. I've been to their training. Um, we also belong to a um, multi-county, actually multi-state 
uh, unit, where it's the California Oregon Search and Rescue Unit, where we have basically uh, become members with other counties, including uh, um, Jackson and Josephine and Douglas County and, and Curry and Coos County, Del Norte, Humboldt County, Siskiyou County in California. Mm-hmm. And so um, the reason behind that is any one county in all, all of those together could be inundated with a search that might just fully deplete their resources. So we help each other. And so it's been very, very successful to be part of CORSAR with our search and rescue unit. You know, so uh, once a year they get together and have a joint training. Um, but beyond that, if, uh, if uh, Sheriff Sickler in Jackson County or uh, Sheriff Hanlon in Douglas County needs help, they, all they have to do is call, and we'll uh, get as many volunteers together as we can, and we'll go help them. And we've called f- for help from them as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've helped us on searches that, that I've been at. It's, uh, it's encouraging to see the volunteers really, not just Klamath County, but even other counties show up to help. That's the kind of people we're talking about. Awesome. And, and they've just recently have had to have some uh, some deployments as well. You had some, with the snow that was up in the North yeah. County, we had some, uh, you, your, your team helped out with uh, getting people out of their homes up there. Yep. Uh, last week, was it, that there was a gentleman who got his ATV stuck in Chilliquin? Yeah. And you guys were actually able to, to use a new vehicle that was able to be purchased from an emergency declaration, right, to help that guy in Chilliquin. Yeah, it was just kind of the, uh, pardon the pun, but the perfect storm. You know, we had a lot of snow. We had people trapped. We had some equipment break. We had some funding available through the Snowmobile Association for equipment. And so um, we purchased this uh, ATV. We, uh, I think uh, the, the search and rescue uh, commander had his eye on it. He knew it was there. And so uh, he'd been hitting me up for it. And so, actually, he said, now's the time to get it, and we should probably get it because our snowcat had broken down. It was going to be months to replace it, the one in North County. Mm-hmm. And this is a very highly uh, transportable unit that can get just about anywhere. And so, um, you know, we, we made the proper phone calls and got it done. And we got it on, a, I believe it was maybe a Thursday last week. Um, they showed up with it on a trailer. We took it for a test drive. I took it. I actually got to drive it myself to the top of Mount McLaughlin, uh, or not McLaughlin, excuse me. Um, uh, Hammaker Mountain. So okay. I'm sorry, Hammaker right. Mountain. So I we went to Hammaker Mountain outside of Keno, and let me tell you, the snow is deep up there. But that that piece of equipment just went right up to the top. The nice. very next day, uh, a man was stuck out in the snow out of Chilliquin, and so they went up and used that machine to bring him out. Very cool. That's awesome to hear that that it, it wasn't just something that was going to be sitting there waiting till next season to be used. Possibly it was used immediately. Right away. Right away. Well, and we assume we're going to be using it again. Yeah. Yeah. It, winter's not over. Well, people, actually, when the spring breaks up, people get themselves sometimes in worse conditions because they, they push it. They go a little further out than they should have, and then they find themselves stuck. Luckily, with cell phones these days, you know, we usually hear about it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the people aren't necessarily overdue. They just they're just unable to rescue themselves. So, you know, or possibly following that GPS that sent them down a road that probably isn't what should be on in the winter. Time, seen right? that before too, right? <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Sheriff, for answering those questions. We're actually going to take a short commercial break. We'll be right back. Threads. There are many threads that run through our region. There are churches and schools and little league teams that bring us together and bind us into communities. There are roads and cars, there are houses and jobs and businesses. 
all woven together to make the fabric of our communities. There are financial threads that are part of that tapestry as well. For over 80 years, it's been our pleasure to be headquartered here, providing financial services to generations of our friends and neighbors. From that first savings account, the retirement planning, and all of the cars and houses and groceries in between, we keep your money local, investing it back into our communities, adding more threads to the fabric to make our community stronger. Pacific Crest Federal Credit Union, find your path. have your car taken to the shop of your choice. So my friend had her car taken to Excel Auto Body because she heard about their reputation for excellent work. They even gave her a written warranty that's good for as long as she owns that car. So Excel Auto Body is a very smart choice. Hi, I'm Rourke, owner of Excel Auto Body. No matter if the damage is minor or major, you'll want to choose us now. So if you are ever in an accident, you'll be ready. And remember, it's your choice what body shop you go to. Choose Excel Auto Body. It's your car, our reputation. Slow down. Slow down and move over. And move over. When you see lights, vests, or reflectors, please give us some room. Slow down and move over. When you need us, we've got your back. Do you have ours? You got our back? You got ours? You got our back? Please, slow down. And move over. Hello, friends. Brian Gailey, Klamath Falls News. Welcome back to Ask Klamath. Uh, our final segment here today with Sheriff Chris Caber. Thank you for being here. Um, we've actually talked a lot of, about a lot of good stuff so far about the jail, the patrol, volunteers, or search and rescue. We were just talking about before the break. Lots of stuff going on. This final section, we actually uh, open it up. We call it the soapbox uh, and give our guests an opportunity to talk about whatever's on their mind. What's on your mind today, Sheriff? Well, I would like to just take a couple of minutes and talk about some of the positive things that are going on with um, partnerships that we're uh, continuing to develop within the basin. You know, um, we have recently entered into a contract with Klamath Community College. We've we've actually opened up a substation on their college. This was a this was a need that they had for security for their campus, but it was also a need for us as well. So we we have a new sergeant out there that is going to take care of on-campus security issues or on-campus uh, calls for service. He's also going to uh, help supervise some of their uh, non-law enforcement uh, security folks out there. Mm -hmm. But he's going to take care of other things for us, too. So he's taking some pressure off of some of our other supervisors as far as tracking our training and uh, and uh, taking care of uh, – we have contracts with the county school district, so we have school resource officers. They're going to answer to this particular sergeant. So we're kind of branching out a little bit, but it's nice. a real positive thing, uh, mainly because with the workforce development um, – mindset that Klamath Community College has. Uh, we also have a need for uh, Reserve Training Academy, and so we're hoping to be integral in bringing that to the basin as well. Oh, we might cool. actually, And that's something that benefits not just us, but any law enforcement agency or person trying to get into law enforcement. Like some of your first questions, mm -hmm. this would be a way to do it. You know, we also work, uh, we've been working really well with the city of Klamath Falls Police Department. You know, we've uh, we entered into agreements with them to house prisoners on some of their municipal things that they have, some of the downtown issues they have with certain people that, uh, you know, won't follow the judge's direction. So we actually, you know, have an arrangement now that we can actually lodge them in our jail for certain periods of time. 
So it's a little bit of teeth in some of the problems that they have. People are snubbing, you know, the citation. Mm -hmm. And so now we've worked out something with them as well. Nice. And so we're, we're uh, you know, the legitimacy of the sheriff's office is important to us. We want to make sure that people know that we're there and that we're working on their behalf and that we're not just sitting still and not doing anything. I've got a list uh, I carried around with me of uh, – uh, 24 big things we're trying to do this year, and I was able to scratch a few of those off, you know, in the last couple of weeks. Um, we're, we're not just sitting there um, doing nothing. We're mm -hmm. constantly trying to move forward, you know, uh, in a way to prove ourselves to the community that um, uh, we are of a value to them and we take that seriously. We are public servants, and that's where we need to be. So those are just some of the things. Um, Brian, I, I honestly... I can talk for an hour straight about these things. I talk about them a lot. I'm very proud of the, the sheriff's office and where it is now. And I'm very uh, thankful and supportive of the community that really seems to be behind us. If you have any doubt in your mind whether it matters or not, if you see one of my deputies on the road and you want to wave at them, please do. Because um, they need to be encouraged. You know, I get encouragement because I talk to a lot of people, you mm -hmm. know, around. But they're out doing the actual hard work on the road and you know a little encouragement from the public that you know a little appreciation goes a long way and they are working hard i don't have any slackers working for me very good that's good to hear you don't yeah. want slackers in in, in the position no. of what you have that's for no, sure they work for it they they do I've, I've i've ran into them several different times on different news uh, stories and things and getting to know some of your deputies out there and and see what they do yes they they do work they're not just driving around in their office thank you <laughs> Uh, anything else you'd like to add before we wrap today? Um, I think that most people don't know. You know, I, I attend a lot of meetings with a lot of our community uh, leaders, whether it be uh, district attorney, the commissioners, uh, uh, KBBH, or uh, community corrections, or you name it, judges. And uh, when we are uh, in a group around the state, um, Klamath County is really being recognized as uh, really a county that, at least in some of these areas, are really doing some great things. Um, so most people might not think that, you know, they might, they might have the uh, negative opinion that Klamath Falls isn't really with it, but I'll tell you what, um, we go to uh, association meetings and things and we talk about the things we're doing and uh, a lot of counties, even some very much larger counties than us, are jealous of our ability to uh, cooperate with each other and work. You know, there's a limited amount of people in the public service industry in Klamath Basin and uh, if we're not working together, you know, we're working against each other. So, you know, I have not found it a problem. There's a lot of uh, proactive things going on with everybody. Awesome. Well, Sheriff, I want to say thank you for everything you do and pass your, the word along to your team as well, please. We, okay. we appreciate here at Clown Falls News. We appreciate everything that you guys do. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Uh, guys, we're going to wrap this coverage. Again, I apologize due to Facebook's issues today. We're not able to stream this live or take your live questions. Uh, and, and, and fortunately, that's just the way it is today. Um, but... Again, thanks to Sheriff Caber for being here today. I'm Brian Gailey, uh, publisher here at Klamath Falls News. Uh, it's hosted by myself, as I said. Off camera, producing the show over there is Brandon, my son. He's helping out. It's a family operation around here. Uh, if you did not catch the uh, the entire broadcast, you can actually replay it anytime. Uh, head over to AskKlamath.com, and you can catch any of our other 29 Ask Klamath episodes as well. Uh, if you've been entertained and you learned something, give it a like, thumbs up, share it with your friends. Let them know. On behalf of my guest, Sheriff Caber, I'm Brian Gailey. We'll see you around the basin. Thanks for watching.
Thank you.